Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. Well, hello. Did you think I had pod faded? That's a new term. It's for podcasts that just disappear. Well, I do disappear, but I come back every four or five weeks with a new episode. And this is the new one. Uh, Well, it's been a very exciting few weeks, actually. Thanks to everyone that came along to see my shows at the Edinburgh Fringe. I had a blast. Yeah, I had a blast. Let's say it's a blast. Also, more excitement. The Blakeney twins went back into Neighbours this week and by all accounts they had an absolute ball. I'm still in touch with Gillian from when I interviewed her way, 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 way back at the start of this podcast. And uh, yeah, they seem to have an absolute ball and they were all over telly. We did lots of interviews. I saw them on Loose Women. I was very excited. Teenage Me would have been absolutely beside himself. And Teenage Me would have been very excited about this guest as well, because uh, my guest in this episode is Matthew Marsden. When I first saw Matthew Marsden come into Coronation Street, I could not get over how good-looking the man was. I went through a phase of thinking that every man on the face of this earth should do their best to try and be as good-looking as Matthew Marsden. And full disclosure, I even got the crunchy part of my ear pierced. You know, like up the top where it's Uh, because I thought, yeah, that'll make me more like Matthew Marsden. (laughs) Have you ever heard anything more tragic in your life? So, it would be a good time to ask for something. So, uh, please, if you like this show, please do leave a lovely rating or a nice review on iTunes, because apparently that helps people find it. Apparently. I don't buy all that, to be honest. But, look... That's what you're supposed to ask for. So like, review, rate, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. Also, please do tell somebody about this podcast because that's the best way. If you do like it, please tell somebody that you know that likes podcasts and you think might not otherwise get to hear about it. Uh, Just tell them about it. Say you like it. Leave it with them. Look, you have your own life to lead. (sighs) It would be lovely to be on one of those lists, wouldn't it? I keep reading those lists of, you know, five podcasts to binge listen to or, you know, nine podcasts to listen to by the pool. Um, But look, I've never been cool. I've accepted that. Um, I really have. I think around the time that I got my ear pierced to look like Matthew Marsden, I was like, yeah, this is the way things are going to be, (laughs) Garrod. Get on board. (laughs) All right, listen, here's the music. Hello, you are very welcome to another episode of Fascinated. My guest today is Hollywood actor, writer, director and singer Matthew Marsden. When Matthew was still at drama college, he began to get a lot of work as a male model. Now, you see what I was up against? It'll take more than an earring, Garrod. Anyway, Matt moved away from modelling and began his acting career with a role on the UK soap Emmerdale. Shortly after that, he very quickly became a household name when he landed a part on Coronation Street playing the local mechanic, Chris. He made a big splash having an affair with Sally, which I could have phrased better. <laughs> he made... Oh, he made a... He had an affair with Sally. <laughs> I am leaving, but I'm asking Sally to come with me. I can't come with you, Chris. My place is here with Kevin and the girls. 
helping you to suggest if you hadn't come in. Matt was in Coronation Street for two years. At the time, the music industry was in recovery after the post-Kylie gold rush, and record companies were always on the lookout for a new soap star to turn into a pop star. Matthew had an ace up his sleeve, though, in that he could already do more than carry a tune. He was actually a trained singer. He signed to Sony and they set about making him the next soul star. The production of the record was slick with an R&B vibe. Press releases at the time mentioned that he had the same singing teacher as Esther from Eternal and he even did a cover of Stevie Wonder's Love's In Need Of Love Today. His debut single, The Heart's Lone Desire, was released and immediately it went to number 13 in the UK charts and he set about recording his album, Say Who. He was off to a really good start with his debut, but it was the follow-up single which makes Matt's pop career a jaw-dropping conversation. For his second single, he recorded a version of the Hollow Notes track, She's Gone. But his backing vocalists are Beyonce and Destiny's Child. Yep, you heard it right, Beyonce and Destiny's Child were backing singers. In a strange turn of events, the song wasn't a hit. It went top 30 and it stalled, and with changes at the record label, Matthew was beginning to feel that the writing was on the wall for his pop career. A third single called Walk My Way was slated for release and he shot a video, but before it could happen, he left the label. His next move was a big one. He appeared opposite Michael Caine in a British movie called Shiner. After that, he moved to Los Angeles and his career really took off. He appeared in Black Hawk Down, Anacondas, Resident Evil, Transformers and Rambo. He has also guest starred on many TV shows like Castle, CSI Miami, NCIS and recurred on Two and a Half Men as Nigel. Hello, Nigel Pierce. Walt Schmidt. Nigel's my ex-husband. A rule I relish. <laughs> Matthew has been cast in numerous roles where he played characters involved in special ops or the military. This started with Black Hawk Down. So guess what? You're going out today. What? It's what you wanted, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Just remember when everybody else is shooting, shooting the same direction. As a result, he has undertaken a lot of personal training to keep his skills up to date so that he can accurately represent the people he refers to as the heroes that keep him safe and free. He has become an active supporter of the armed forces and has parachuted with the United States Army Parachute Team. He received the title of Kentucky Colonel, the highest award that is bestowed on individuals by the state of Kentucky in recognition for his support of the US military. As a service to that community, he has recently written, directed and starred in the movie I Am That Man about a former Navy SEAL reintegrating into civilian life. Do you miss being a SEAL? I miss my brothers. The loyalty. Making a difference. I don't miss saying goodbye to you. I spoke to Matt just after season five ended, so this interview has been in the can for a long time. He's actually really, really fascinating, and we had a long, long chat. In fact, it was probably too long. We talked for over an hour and a half, and before that, there was another half an hour before we even started the interview. So this is actually a chopped down version. And I'm sure I'll get another episode at least out of the chunks that I didn't use. I've stayed in touch with Matt and he's a very nice man. I've no doubt that you'll enjoy listening to him as much as I did. Who knows? You might even get your ear pierced. Actually, don't do that. I still have a weird bump where that was. Anyway, this is Matthew Marston. Hello, 
long are you out in LA now? Um, I've been here, I came here first uh, in 2000. Um, and then, you know, it was it was kind of funny because I'd done a movie with, uh, with Michael Caine. And I always said that, you know, I, I would never go out to Los Angeles like if I didn't have anything to come out here with or for, you know. So I, I came out with that and then uh, I got Black Hawk Down. And I was like, bloody hell, why didn't I do this like, <laughs> why didn't I do this before? Because your, your you career, know. you kind of have, you've had a career of two halves um, completely. Because, I mean, you, you went through a phase of being super famous in the UK mm-hmm. because you, like there was Emmerdale, but then you kind of came in as Chris in Curry. Uh, yeah. In Coronation Street. Coronation Street and Soap was kind of at the heyday then because it, there was all that yeah. crossover into, you know, smash hits and all of those magazines. It was it was really weird because I think people, you know, it's one of the, I mean, you know this because, you know, it, it happens with you. Like you just, you hope that you're going to get a gig, right? You're just like, please let me be able to do this. Let me, let me do what I love doing. And it, I had Emmerdale and, um, which was great. Uh, nice first job. And then I got Brian Park was very kind and he brought me into Coronation Street. And what's funny was uh, Coronation Street at that point would shoot like six weeks in advance. Right. So I would go out the gates at Granada Studios and I'd walk up the street and there was a sandwich shop on the corner. And I'd go up and I'd get my sani and I'd, I'd get my like my drink and I'd come back <laughs> down and nobody gave a damn about me. Right. I was just like, la, la, la. And, you know, like people like my friend Angela Griffin and all others, they'd be mobbed at the gate, right? And in 1997, my first episode was on my birthday. It was on the 3rd of March. And uh, it came out. And then the next day I went out to get my... That was it. I could not get up the street. I couldn't go and get my, my sandwich anymore. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of weird. And, you know, you haven't changed it's a, as a it's person. It's a big you, change. Like for someone in their 20s just to have that just land on their lap. Uh, yeah, no, and I, you feel sorry sometimes. I mean, I mean, I had it in in, in the UK in, in like that kind of way, which, like you said back then, the soaps were massive. I mean, I remember our viewership was like was gigantic at that point. Um, and you don't, you, you're like, hang on a minute, like I don't know how to deal with this. Like you know, like go, going around Sainsbury's, you know, and yeah. then <laughs> all of a sudden you look in and there's you just there's people, 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 people. I went to one one Christmas. Actually, it would have been that Christmas. I went to uh, Marks and Sparks. I went to get uh, some turkey. And I went with a friend of mine who was a builder, right? And we went to Marks and Spencer's. And uh, I was just going down. I'd got my cap on, like, you know. Like these. But just because I just wanted to go and get my stuff. it was Just get it done, yeah. And and I get to the um, the, the uh, till. And this woman goes, oh. <laughs> And the funny thing is, it's not like, oh, it's Matt. It's like, it's Chris. It's Chris. You know, it's the one that's oh, out there with Sally. <laughs> and and then you see people, oh, it's Chris, and boom, 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 and all of a sudden it was really weird, and and it's kind of like you can't relay this to people because they they well they don't really understand this, but me and my buddy were boxed in, like on either side of the checkout, right, and he was started in this big like builder, and he's like, oh god, I gotta get out of here, Matt, like I'm having a panic attack, like I gotta get out, <laughs> and and you kind of like, oh, you know, so it was, yeah, it was weird, it was a, it was a really kind of kind of odd thing to go from being pretty much anonymous to to being like everyone knew who you were the next day well they knew who chris was they didn't really know who yeah. i was but they knew who chris was you know um so yeah it was it was a a kind of weird adjustment and it makes me feel like a, a little bit more you can understand a little bit more how these kids go off the rails like the the really big stars you yeah know, really major stars like justin bieber and that you're like wow can you imagine all over the world yeah you know and people insane. 
nobody telling you no, you know, so. After Coronation Street, you, I mean, we have got to talk about this given the nature of this podcast, but you, yeah. you had a brief stint uh, as a, a pop star. Uh, yeah. And I, I still have my copy of Say Who, I will say that. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was that like? Because, I mean, the highlight of that, obviously, uh, when, I mean, your cocktail story has to be that at one point, Destiny's Child, where you're back yeah. in years. Yeah, no, it was, it was kind of strange. I think that, you know, uh, at that period of time, a lot of people were coming out of soaps and they were doing songs, you know, and the Aussies tend to be having a lot more success, you know, with Kylie and Danny and, and all that lot. But, but what a lot of people I don't think realise is like, you know, when you're an actor, you gotta, yeah. you got to be able to sing. Like, you got to be able to sing if you want more work, right? And I'm like, you know, I'm going to be an actor, which is like the most unpredictable business to be in anyway. So I better learn how to sing. And, and I was singing for years and years and years before. If you look back, I did a TV show called Island and, and I sang in that and, and it was just something that I did. And actually, before I, I got Emma Dell or anything like that, I was offered a, co- a recording contract and I turned it oh, down wow. because I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't feel like it was right. And, you know, I was speaking actually to Simon Cowell a lot back in those days about working with him. And so I do, but it was something I'd always wanted to do, right? I'd always wanted to sing and I never saw myself as, as like a soap star or a soap this. I was just, I was just like an actor and I want to do this and I'd really like to be able to do that if possible. And, you know, I'd love to do movies. You want to test yourself, you know, I mean, it's yeah, like you're yeah. a comedian, you're a writer, you know, and, and, and actor and all these other things. So, so anyway, I, I, done Corey and partway through that I'd already been discussing doing a recording contract way before that anyway and then I, I got the recording contract and and uh, I was very sad to leave Coronation Street because I loved it but you know I was just an actor doing a job right I yeah. didn't want to you know yeah and there was a, I mean? there was a tendency I think with soap as well that you either you either got in did the business and got out uh, like I suppose yourself Saran Jones uh, Sarah Lancashire that's sort of, uh, yeah. a crew um, or you ended up a lifer. Yeah, you were in you it know. forever. You know, I, I was already sensing it that people were like seeing me as the character and not as, as anything else. And I thought, well, you know, if I've got to do the move, I've got to do it pretty quickly. And uh, and listen, I had a conversation with Brian Park. He was amazing. He was like, Matt, I think you should do another year. And I felt really bad because he gave me my break. But I said, listen, Brian, I want to move on. I, there's other things I want to do. So I left and I, I did the music, which was always a love. Um... And who wouldn't want to do that? Exactly. Anyway, right? yeah, I mean, yeah, who exactly. wouldn't want to do it? You get to be a pop star. And so I, I really wanted to, um, the, one of the reasons why I signed with Sony was because I wanted to combine those things. I always looked to America and said, well, what were the artists that acted and did music? Uh, who were they with? And they were all like Harry Connick and all these other guys were with um, Columbia, Sony Columbia. So I went with Sony Columbia. And one day we were, uh, I, I was doing She's Gone I'd done a, a demo of it and we were playing it in Sony um, in London and this door like bursts open and it, this guy sticks his head in and he's like, hey, who's this? Uh, and I'm like, uh, 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 it's me. Okay, you, you, you got to sing with my girls. You got to sing with my girls. And it was Matthew Knowles. Oh. It was, uh, yeah, Beyonce's dad. And, and right then, I mean, I'd known who they were because they'd done um, No, No, No with Wycliffe and... Okay. And I was like, great, let's do it. 
and uh, we went and recorded that afternoon and um, it was it was really crazy and she was amazing uh, well all the girls were they were all lovely uh, but I knew like I mean she's just unbelievably beautiful but believe it or not she was like super shy right she's really? super shy yeah super shy and um, we did that song and uh, yeah and, and again it's a lot of times the music industry was going through a transition in that period where they were like hey uh, digital. I mean, a lot of yeah, people yeah. get this, right? But it's like mini disc, right? Are we going to go mini disc? Like, what's going to what's going to happen? And the guy that signed me, Sony, left. So I was kind of a little bit like, oh man, and I I wasn't sure which way the that they were moving. So I exercised I exercised my option to leave. Um, but it was great. I mean, I had, a, I had a great time, and I saw her over here in LA, which was cool. I was at a I was at a big party, and um, and I saw her, and she came over and gave me a big hug, and it it was really nice, but. I think that um, I think for most people they're like, hang on a minute, like the guy I from know. Coronation Street did a song with Beyonce, like that's so random, you know. But I, I, you know, the funny thing is, I think we tend to do that in England, but like nobody sits there and goes, hey, hang on a minute, Nicole Kidman's doing a duet with Robbie, with yeah, Robbie. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we kind of do it there, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I look back and I get it's it's kind of random, but my kid, like I, I don't tell anyone really. I don't go out and tell anyone what I've done in the past anyway. So the majority of my friends here, like they don't really know um, my life before I came to America. I mean, obviously they know I've done the, the, the big films over here, but I don't really talk about it much. You know, I don't really, you know, go out and... That's, you know, it's it's so know. funny because, I mean, I can't imagine that Beyonce has sung back and vocals for that many people. I mean... <laughs> I know. It's just, it's so, it's so hilarious. Like, it's brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah, it's funny. I mean, and, and she was, like, unbelievable. I mean, like, she's so skilled as a vocalist. And I was in there, I was like, oh, she's amazing. So, uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice thing. and Yeah, I mean, it's, such, it's, it's a great thing to have in your CV. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is, it is. And so then when you left England uh, after that, yeah. you, uh, well, actually, the, the movie you did with Michael Caine, Shiner, was that, was that before or after the music? That was after the music. Um, uh, yeah, I got, I'd seen online, uh, I don't know what, what magazine it was in, that he was doing, Michael Caine was doing a boxing movie. And uh, I was like, oh, I want to do that. I, I'd really love to do that. And so I went off with my friend Richie Woodall, who was just happened to be the WBC Super Middleweight Champion of the World at that time. And I said, Richie, listen, I want you to, I want you to teach me how to, you know, sharpen my skills and and be a really good boxer. So I trained with him for, you know, I'd say six months to a year, even before the audition came in. And um, and I, you know, I, I was all right, you know. And uh, so I went in and we did the. I did the interview with um, with the director John Owen, and he said, um, "He said, Matt, can you box?" And I said, "I'll fight anyone that you that comes up for this role. Any actor that comes up for this role, I'll fight them." Was like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so uh, yeah, no, I got the role, and it was um, it was amazing. You know, like working with an icon and someone that you know I'd always looked up to, and it, it was. I mean, uh, certainly for me, anyway. I mean, I'm always kind of like surprised. By everything, I never take anything for granted. I'm from a council estate in in West Bromwich, you know, in the Midlands, and and this is all an upside for me. You know, every yeah. single thing, every day is an upside. So, you know, to to be there with Michael Caine, it was just like what, you know, yeah. like I grew up watching this guy on Zulu, and and and, and how lucky am I to be here? Um, and then yeah, so I did that, and uh, at that point, he was being Oscar nominated for Cider House Rules. 
And, and by the way, he's the most humble dude ever. Like, he's so humble. And uh, he always comes across as great in, in interviews. It's just fantastic. In fact, here's a little story about that. So I went up to him. We were shooting a scene. It was really late at night. Uh, it's a scene where I get, I basically get shot and killed. And uh, I'm, I'm wearing like boxing shorts and nothing else and, and, and um, like, like a uh, robe over the top of me because like, you're going to die, you're going to freeze. And uh, I went up to him and I said, um, oh, my, uh, Michael, um, have you got any tips? Like, any, any tips for me? Like, and he goes, uh, you're doing just fine, Tan. <laughs> and then I saw an interview with him. I think it was on Parkinson where he said, um, he asked an actor for advice when he was younger and the guy goes, quit. <laughs> he said, so I never give anyone any advice anymore. And I'm like, ah, that's where it came from. But it's okay. true. He doesn't. He didn't. He didn't. And, uh, and from there, you know, I started getting um, interest from America. Uh, certainly on the, the first big thing was like for Star Wars. So I was while I was doing um, uh, Shiner. I was putting myself on tape for Star Wars over and over and over again. Obviously, oh, wow. you know, like every everyone that age, you know, loves Star Wars, and uh, and that kind of got the casting directors and the the agents over there going, "Who's this guy? And who's this guy acting opposite Michael Caine?" So I had agents fly over to meet me, oh, um, which was like a little bit surreal. You know, I'm like, you know, Hollywood's calling, and and then you know, I said to this one manager I got on very well with, I said, "Well, I'm going to come." I'm going to come now, I'll come over to Hollywood. And she said, uh, yeah, all you Brits always say that and you always delay and you do this and you do that. And and I said, I'll see you Friday. Oh, wow. And that was my, and I got on a plane, I went over and that was it. And I mean, so. when you landed in Hollywood, you seem to have this run of just, it was like blockbuster after blockbuster. So like, mm-hmm. how soon after you getting there did you realise, actually, this is really working? <sighs> Well, I mean, it was, it's one of those things where they go, uh, hey, Matt, yeah, you got to go and meet with uh, Brian Singer today. You know, he's, he wants you to read for this. and Or like, hey, uh, you, you got a screen test for Superman today. And you're like, what? What? <laughs> like, what? So it's kind of like, it's kind of surreal. It's like this kind of, but even with Corey, it was the same. Like, the, the change is like, hang on a minute. I'm still the person. I'm still the same person. There's all this weirdness. And, and then, you know, every single time, like from when I've worked with Stallone or, you know, when I've, uh, I've gone in and uh, gone to an Oscar party and they're like, uh, hey, Matt, this is Nicole. And you're like, this is just so weird. That is insane. Right? This is weird. This is Nicole Kim. So I think that um, I, I guess the Brit in me is always like, not, not this is working for me, but when is it going to stop working for me? Like, when is all this shit going to fall apart, you know? When um, are they going to find so, out? <laughs> yeah. When are they going to find out that I'm a fraud, right? No, but, I, I, you know, I came in and, yeah, you're right. I mean, they were like, hey, Matt, you got to meet, like, Ridley Scott and Jerry Bruckheimer this afternoon. And you're like, what? Yeah. The guy that directed Alien? Yeah. Like, i got to go and Blade Runner. I've got to go and meet Ridley Scott. Don't crap yourself in the audition, right? Like, dude, just get on. And so you have to kind of get yourself in that headspace. And I'm not one of those guys that's like really arrogant like that. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I'm like, oh God, I got to get this right. You know, I got to, yeah. you know, this is it. And and it just, there's, there's also an element of momentum, you know? So when you go into that thing, like people are already talking about you, if you've done good work and, and you walk in and they're already like on your side. And I think this is one of the things for young actors is, 
uh, a lot of actors go into the room thinking, you know, they're looking for me to fail. Okay. And actually they're not. They're, they're looking for you to win. Like they want you to be the guy. Like that, because then they go, oh, he's the guy. Thank God I don't have to go through another yeah, like, you know, yeah. three days of casting for this. So, you know, I, I went in and I got that and then... You know, it was like, hey, you, you're getting offers for this film and they want to fly you here and, you know, all that kind of like showbiz stuff. And you're like, is that, is this really happening to me? You know? Uh, so for me, I was, I was always kind of like, when is this going to end? You know, what, when, when is, when is all this going to like stop happening for me? So, uh, but I, I really made a point of enjoying it, you know, yeah. like saying this could be, this could be my last gig, Like this could be. You know, the last thing I do, like, you know, I never I never really take anything for granted. When you did so. Black Hawk Down, then you were in Transformers. Like, when you get cast yeah. in Transformers, that must be a memorable afternoon. When somebody rings and says, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're the guy. You're going to be in Transformers, Matthew. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things, especially when you grow up loving. I mean, I love Transformers. I, I read the comic book when I was a kid. And, and you know, I went up for that role and, and it, was, it was really interesting because... You know, I trained a lot with the special forces, the, the, the special operations, shall I say, over in America. So I got a real good uh, angle on on the protocols and the way they carry themselves and all that kind of stuff. So I, I get the phone call. They're like, listen, they want you to go and meet Michael Bay. And I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. It's always like, it's always like that. I'm like, really? So I walk in and, uh, and Mike's there and, and he's, he's great, you know, and, and uh, he goes, okay, say these lines. And I did my lines. And, uh, and, and I said, hey, I see that Harry Humphreys, who's the Navy SEAL uh, tech advisor, I said, you know, I, I know him from Black Hawk Down and this and that. And he goes, well, anyone who's a friend of Harry's a friend of mine. And uh, next thing I know, they call me, they're like, you got it. And he's going to actually write the role for you. And actually, th- there's, a funny, there's a funny little story about that, that if you watch the special features on it, because I was on that movie for five months. It's like a, a gigantic movie. Uh, and, it, and again, it's like, hey, Matt, you know, uh, this is what's going to happen. We're going to have F-16s coming in. And you've got to say your line here because the F-16s are going to come over at like, Oh, wow. At, at this particular time. And you're like, don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. Because then, you know, they're going to reset the planes and everyone's looking at you like, really, dude? Really? Really? Like, <laughs> yeah. you mess that up. So, so if you look on the, on the special features, it's got my, I had a character name. Like my character name is Captain Graham. But for some reason, when it went through the process of, uh, of getting the movie out, I'm not credited as Captain Graham. And I was like, hey, listen, it makes me look like second spear carrier on the left. Because, yeah. you know, you know, you know, you know, when you're in that movie that Optimus Prime is the star or, or you know, Josh and, and Megan and, and Shia, they're the stars. Right. So, you know, any kind of screen time you're going to get on that is is awesome. But you are not the big kahuna. You're just yeah. servicing the, the, the robots, basically. So, yeah, no, I mean, I was on that and, and it's kind of weird when they, they sit there and they go, okay, Optimus is over here and you're going to be talking and you're like, that's that <laughs> so cool. So anyway, I mean, again, I loved it. It was just great. It, it, so. it's, that, it's that childhood stuff. The first meeting I went to in the BBC, I was so nervous sitting in reception. And then when I went in and I saw a Dalek, like I nearly lost my shit. I was like, I was grand when I saw a Dalek. <laughs> it's right, right? You're like, oh. I mean, for me, like, I love the first Transformers. And, and we get on set and uh, Harry Humphreys comes over to me and he goes, Matt, get in the bird right now. Now, even though I'd done Black Hawk Down, 
you remember the movie? I never went up on the helicopter. Oh, I, yeah, I actually, yeah. This is the cool kind of shit that you get to do as an actor. So I get in and there's me and there's no other actors in there. There's there's all, all Navy SEALs and, and a couple of Army Rangers. And we take off Gerard and we, we're flying around. There's two Black Hawks, two Apache gunships, like flying, like... I almost felt like I could touch them. We got the the doors open, which normally you're not allowed to do. So we got the doors open and I'm going, this is the coolest thing ever. Don't geek out, don't geek out. And then my friend who's a, a team guy turns and he goes, hey Matt, just so you know, this shit never gets old. Uh. Like, okay, okay. So anyway, that was the beginning of that. And then, you know, all the other stuff like Bumblebee turning up, I'm like, oh, it's Bumblebee, like, are you kidding me? So. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's like I said, I'm I'm always um, I I'm not one of those guys that's like, hey, I'm too cool for this. You know, I'm like, this is awesome, and I'm really lucky to be and glad to be here. You know, that's amazing. And but didn't you have a moment on Transformers where it, it almost <laughs> like it almost went quite bad when there was a helicopter crash? Oh yeah, no, that that's crazy. I've actually I don't have it here, but I have a picture of it. Um, so basically, what happened was it's a funny situation. So. Um, there's, there's myself, Josh and Tyrese who are like the, the three kind of like leaders of the other guys. So we got Josh and Tyrese and uh, I believe that, that Tyrese was on, so there was a wall and Tyrese was on the other side of the wall. Josh was in the gap in the wall and I was on like the, the, the other side of the wall to Tyrese. And above me is a helicopter and it's kind of like a shelled out helicopter. So it's like, it's it's the size of a helicopter. Yeah. But it didn't have any yeah. blades. It didn't have any blades, right? Because they're kind of blades. So what they said is what we're going to do is they got it. I mean, these, these stunt guys are the best in the world, right? The best in the world. And they've got this huge steel cable. And there's a, um, you can see it in the movie, but there's a, um, a palm tree that's right next to it. And what they're going to do is they're going to release the helicopter. It's going to come down. They're going to blow the top of the palm tree off. So it looks like the blades have gone through and they'll put it in later with CG. And then it hits the ground and, you know, that's the, that's the stunt. And they said, okay, everyone's got to like, look this way. And we were looking that way anyway. And, and basically something that happened where the, the, it was released and, and we weren't ready for it. Right. Cause normally you're like, oh, those guys that take care of it. I don't have to watch it. But for some reason I was like, my spidey sense was going off. I'm going to watch that bloody helicopter. And I'm like, oh shit, it's gone. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, no, I wasn't ready for it. And so I turn like that and Josh is there going, and I'm like, oh shit, because I can't get past him. So I turn back again and this helicopter's coming down and it's starting picking up speed. Now, it, like in the movies, I would have run forward and gone underneath it, right? But real life is you're shitting yourself and you're like, I need to get out of here. So I turn, by the time I turn, the other boys had booked it and they'd gone. So I'm like running and my, it's funny, my, uh, my M4, hit the the side of the wall and smacked me in the mouth, sheared my tooth off. Oh my God. And yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm like running and I feel this like kind of, it's like a push from behind. And, uh, and what it was, was it was just the impact of the, and it was just sand everywhere, sand everywhere. It was the impact of the, the helicopter hitting the floor. And, uh, and, and yeah, so it was, it was one of those moments where you're like, you know, whether it, you know, whatever fault way. it was. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it was like, shit. So I've actually got a picture that the photographer took <laughs> of me going, uh. oh, here's the funny thing as well. So I'm like, in, in my head, like Michael Bay is is like, because he was like, that's awesome. That was ours. Uh, you know, Marsden, that was amazing. And I'm like, oh, oh, and I'm like, in my head, I'm playing it back. It's like, 
<laughs> slow motion. Heroic, like slow motion. And when you see the movie, it's like, <laughs> it's like two seconds and I'm just going like this. I'm running along like some idiot. And it costs you a in, tooth. Yeah, and it cost me, like that tooth was sheared off. Uh, but listen, I mean, the, a lot of, there was, there was a few accidents on that. The, not that it was any of their fault. It was, it was like our fault because when you got such a big thing and you're doing all this action, like shit happens, you know, like, like that yeah. wasn't their fault that I jammed the gun in and smacked me in the mouth. That was me being a moron, you know, <laughs> like, you know, so, uh, but, but it's a lot of fun, you know, you get to play these roles and, and do these incredible things, go up in helicopters, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, like I said, it's just amazing. Oh, and what was it like then when you uh, you were cast in Rambo uh, in the the reboot or the the remake? Or it wasn't a remake; it was the the yeah, it's the, la- the, the last most one. recent it, one. It was, yeah. yeah, it was kind of a reboot. Um, so basically, what happened with that was um, I got a call, and it was my because Sly had been off the scene for a long time, right? He'd, he'd been away, and um, I got a phone call from my my manager, and he's kind of, he's like, "Hey, listen." <laughs> They want you to come in and read for like Rambo. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Except Rambo. Like, I'm like, they're doing Rambo. They're doing Rambo. Yeah, yeah. Because he didn't think I wanted to do it. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. When? He's like, you you, you want to do it? I'm like, I, I want to do it. Are you kidding me? Of course. <laughs> so anyway, I go in and and originally I read for Graham McTavish's role. Because of Brit, right? And, and yeah. actually, schoolboy, yeah, schoolboy was a, a Navy SEAL. And so I go in and uh, I, I read for uh, Sheila Jaffe, who's one of the best casting directors in Hollywood. And she'd already, I think then she'd already cast me in something with Walter Hill, the girl who directed The Warriors. And uh, I love her. And I, I did the, the scene. And then I get a phone call from my managers like, hey, listen, uh, Stallone is going to call you. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> say that again. Say that again. Because he's like childhood idol, right? I mean, we yeah, all grew up watching I mean, Stallone, everyone grew up watching you know? Rambo and, I'm, you know, I'm like, it's Rocky. Rocky's going to be calling me. Yeah, over the top. <laughs> I, I, I watched that the other day. Yeah. Right? So, so I'm like, okay. I'm like, nobody touch the phone. Like, nobody pick up the phone. And then, uh, so the phone goes. I'm like, it's a Beverly Hills number, right? I'm like, okay. He's like, you're just you're Stallone. Eh? And I'm like, oh, okay. And he basically asked me to go um, to his offices. He goes, do you want to come and hang out tomorrow? I'm like, do you let me think one minute? Yeah, yes, yes, I will. Yes, I will. So I go around to his office and I meet him. And it's meeting Stallone. I mean, it's like, wow, Stallone, yeah. you know? And what's funny, this is a great thing. So I go in and we start talking and, and the original script for Rambo, he was going to be the Troutman character in the next film. And my character, Schoolboy, was going to take over okay. the Rambo franchise, right? So um, so anyway, we're in his office and, and all the time, I'm like, this is just the strangest thing. You know, you've heard the voice a million times and and you know him and, and he's, he's just like super intelligent and, you know, sp- just just a good guy like really like you're hanging out like we're talking right now it's just just great there's no like pretense about him but you're in Stallone's office and there's all this shit around that's Stallone you know and and um and so anyway he uh, he walks over to the DVD player and he puts this DVD in as he's playing and and he presses play and he goes I want you to watch this and it's the trailer for Rocky Balboa I had this like out of body experience at that moment where it's like 
I'm watching Rocky with Rocky. Like this is yeah, weird. Yeah. <laughs> and and the trailer was just brilliant. And I looked at him like this and I'm like, You're back. You're back. And he's like, I didn't say you know, I obviously didn't say it. I'm like, I'm looking at him, I'm nodding. And he knew. He knew he had a hit. So uh, it was it was just the strangest thing. And, and so anyway, we, we started talking about the script. And I said, look, you know, uh, Rambo is a Green Beret. And, and if you want to make him, you know, schoolboy a Brit, then I recommend you make him a, an, an SBS guy, like a Royal Marine Commando, because they're the original Green Berets and, and blah, 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 blah. And the next day it was in the script. He's like, boom, he puts it in, wow. changes it. So anyway, that was it. And... They go, okay, well, we might be shooting next year in Thailand. We just got to wait and we'll go wait and see. And uh, I went off and I'm like, okay, maybe my life is going to change forever again in six months. I don't know. You know, I mean, things happen, you know, wars break out and you can't go then this and that. And then they got the call. They're like, hey, listen, you're going to Thailand and you're going to go and be with Stallone. And and it was a, a, a completely amazing experience with a great bunch of guys and, um, I learned a ton from him, uh, and uh, yeah, no, I mean it's it's like Rambo. I mean that's it. I'm forever, you know, involved with that franchise. That's amazing. You know, so. And I mean, with all the good yeah. stuff that's happened, um, like, uh, do you? Like a lot of actors and I think I suppose creative people, they find it, you know, you can't relax. It's like you were saying earlier, you know, where you're kind of thinking to yourself, okay, when's it going to, when's this going to stop? Like, I mean, yeah, having had a couple of hits and stuff like that behind you, do you, has that eased off a bit? No, because I think that, I think that if you are a, a conscientious person, you understand that, you know, your life is always going to be in a state of flux, right? So... So, you know, um, every day that goes by, something could happen to you that could take it all away. And I think that that's why you have to... I mean, nobody's ever going to take away... This is one thing that Stallone said to me, right? <laughs> like, it's so funny. So it's the first day of shooting and he goes, remember, this is forever. Oh, wow. And I was like, God. Great. Great. Like, no pressure. Right, because he's directing it as well. But it's true. So, like, nobody can take that away from you, right? Nobody can take those things away from you. Um, but um, anything can happen, you know. I mean, we're we getting older, and there's no doubt that Hollywood is kind of uh, a place for younger people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, w- without a doubt. Um, I think that, um, you know, so, for example, when I first came in, nobody wanted to do TV. Like nobody wanted to do TV. It was like movies. And, and it's interesting because I was watching, um, oh, the, there's this series of um, pieces on YouTube about actors talking about their top 10 iconic roles. And, and one of the actors, I think it was Hugh Grant, got asked to do TV. And he's like, I don't do TV, right? Because that was the prevailing Yeah, like, yeah. Thing. If you do TV, like, you won't get out of it. Yeah, I don't do TV. And in fact... If you look at the majority of the stars, they did TV and went up. Like George Clooney did TV and then yeah. he, he became a big star, right? So so that's a natural trajectory for um, for movie stars. And so there's a big, like, snobbery. And so when I was first in, my agent was like, no, you don't want to do TV. No, 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 no. Because that was considered to be like a paying gig. Yeah. Um, and, and as we've spoken about before, a very well-paying gig, uh, yes. but a paying gig. <laughs> Right. So, so like, you know, you're doing TV and you got to get like, I don't know, the, the difference between that and movies is you have to get like a minute a day. 
of footage yeah, in a movie yeah. or two minutes, three minutes. And that means setups and all this. And you get chance to like really get into the character where TV's like, I mean, people don't realize how brilliant the people are that do the soaps. Like they might yeah. think that, oh, they, the acting's bad. You, you get those scripts the day before and it's like 10 pages of sides. If you gave that to uh, the majority of movie actors, they go, I can't do this. Like yeah. this isn't possible. So, I mean, it's a different craft, but, but yeah. So uh, um, what happened for me is, I was turning down TV, TV, TV because I really wanted to focus on, on my movie career. And, and then what happens is now the entire industry, for example, moved towards TV. And so because there's so much money in it, they go, okay, who did, who's done TV? Okay, yeah, right? yeah. And so, the, so if you see, and this is why people get frustrated, they go, well, that guy went from that show to that show to this show to that show. And it's because... You know, if you're going to invest money in it, right? I mean, you know, you yeah, get, yeah, you want someone to, to do, do the stuff. job. You want the guy that's going to nail it. You don't want to be like going, yeah. uh, uh. So, so like for me, for example, um, all my pilots haven't gone right for one reason or another. They 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 didn't go into production, and I didn't want to do episodic for the most part. A lot of the episodic that I did was because I really wanted. The role and, it, and normally it was because he's playing a mil- military person and I have a real strong relationship with the with the veterans over here and actually over there yeah so yeah. I wanted to I wanted to do it so um so example for that now I've almost got to go in, into it differently like I used to get calls will you do this will you do that now it's like hey can you come in and read for this okay right um and so I remember meeting with uh, I was with um uh Nikolai Waldau, Nikolai Costa Waldo was, you know, Jamie Lannister. And we always used to hang out because he was in Black Hawk Down. We'd hang out. And, uh, and he, he did a couple, he did a show called New Amsterdam. He did this other thing. I mean, he's still doing movies. But uh, I remember when like Game of Thrones came out and, and he went to do that. And we kind of knew because it was like, it, you know, it was, it was HBO. So we knew it was going to be something special. And people were talking about it in the industry. But, but you're like, oh, do you want to go and do like a TV show for like, you know, be contracted for five years, you know? Yeah. Because um, that, because that's the mentality. Because in movies, you know, you go, you do, you earn the same amount of money in three months as you do in, in, you know, yeah. however much time, right? So, so why wouldn't you want to do three movies and build these different roles than be on one TV show? Now, look who's laughing now. He's killing it, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's a brilliant role. It's a, it's a, uh, but you know, so there are different challenges. So, and also looking older, um, you know, you move into a different like category, you know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, and, you, and I mean, as somebody you know, as well. who you, you were saying, talking there about the military, like you, you, uh, you've done a lot of military roles, you know, mm-hmm. and, and kind of special forces and you do, you do an awful lot of that training, don't you? I do. Yeah. Yourself. I mean, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I do. I try, I try and keep current because, um, you know, I these guys are people that put their lives at risk on a on a daily basis for us, even though we don't we don't see it. You know, we're not, yeah. we're not conscientious of it. But you know, I I you know I'm very fortunate to have been um, kind of been brought into the community a little bit. I, I'm not I'm not one of them, but like I'm kind of accepted in that community because of some some you know relationships that I've had and things I've done. Uh, um, and so when they go and they, you know, you see a role, for example, <clears throat> when I did, when we did Black Hawk Down, you know, the guys just said, listen, just, just 
don't keep shooting a magazine at like that, like that, bah, 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 don't, it's like, don't make it Hollywood because that's their identity there. The, you know, they're part of the Ranger Regiment, these guys, part of the Ranger Regiment. Okay. And you see what it, you see what it means to them, right? So, so for me, um, I, if, because I play a lot of these guys, then I want to get it right. Okay, it's like when you hear someone doing a dodgy accent, you're like, "Yeah, not from that area." Like I don't. Buy yeah, the Irish accents. accents. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah uh, really. You know what I mean? You're like, "Oh, all right, lucky charms." No, yeah, like, no, no. People don't, you know, and it and it's kind of insulting. So for me, I mean, number one, I like it. You know, I like yeah. doing it anyway. I mean, jumping out of planes and 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 you know, fast roping and shooting guns and and all this stuff. I mean it's just the greatest thing ever and and trying to like physically stay in shape as well it's a good motivator you know what i mean so i like to challenge myself in that way so that i can represent them uh and they're not like oh he's that guy who's got a pot belly and and is is like running around with his finger on the trigger all the time which drives them crazy and i'm like well i really want to portray them correctly out of respect you know but but i do that if if it was anything, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I it suppose just it's an acting thing. But I mean, it, it's like, it's a very different thing to be portraying a doctor correctly because all you've got to do is like how to, <laughs> you know, how to hold this. But yeah, exactly. But with, uh, yeah. you know, when you've got to start jumping out of planes in real life just so you can play it, like that's that's a serious commitment. Yeah, well, and they also kind of like, they respond to it. So so I've a ton of material now from, from these these men and women that come to me and they say, hey, listen, I want to talk to you about about this. This is what happened. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's really, really humbling, you know, especially when, I mean, really, we just like, I, I, I'm make-believe. My life is, my job is I pretend to be other people, right? It's not real. It, it's, it's not a, you know, I think there's some worthwhile aspects to it, but really in the scheme of things, right, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, when you look at it. But they... Um, they love it when you portray them correctly. Like they, they, they really do. And, and they respond to it in a way, to me, this is really, really humbling because these guys are going out to, to fight for my freedom so that we can live in a, yeah, in and a I mean, free... You, you appreciate yeah. their worth. Yeah, no, and, and totally And they, they respond to that. And especially when like, you know, we're going off and we're making a ton of money doing playing these heroes and they go off and they are heroes and they get paid nothing they get paid like yeah. the same thing as if you're working at Sainsbury's I mean so for me I'm like how can I not want to give back to them how can I not want to help or you know if someone calls me and they want to talk to me about it why how can I not be there for them you know I, I just think that is uh that, that is something that's really important especially considering you know uh, if you look at you know, where I come from, you know, in, in the, in the West Midlands and that there's a lot of people that did that. They went into the, into the military, um, a lot of times cause they didn't have a lot of other, other options. Um, and, and, you know, they're my people, you know, they're people that I know and the people that I love. And, and, uh, and like I say, I mean, I'll pretend for a living. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of pathetic, really. I mean, but, <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? It is. I mean, it is. It's there, like, are, there are times I think sometimes where you, uh, where you meet people in a group and and they they have all very important worthy jobs and they're like so you're a comedian and you're like yeah <laughs> yeah you're like you're like yeah thank I'm you I'm sorry you, I'm really sorry yeah, yeah you're like well well you you know these guys like well you know you guys went and and you stormed this building you saved these lives or Jessica Lynch you pulled her out or you did this and you did that what do you do 
Uh, I, I kind of play the guys that who do that <laughs> did that in the movie, and I don't get shot at, and I get to say, "Excuse me, my boots, my boots are hurting me a little bit," you know. So it's kind of. But but the funny thing is, is and this is what I've learned though. It's like for them when they go through the shit, they'll put your tape on. And yeah, it just, yeah. It just yeah. goes away. So and my guys are always telling me all the time, they're like, listen, don't put yourself down on that. Like, we really appreciate that you care. And, and it's, uh, it's humbling. It's not going to change it for me, right? Because I'm like, you guys yeah, are heroes. Course, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but I, I have kind of like begrudgingly accepted that. And, and I'm sure that you have as well, that, you know, someone might be having the worst day ever. And they're like, I just need to laugh, man. And, and, and you know, people do say laughter is the... Uh, is one of the greatest healers, right? And and so yeah, yeah. And by the way, I've I, I got to tell you this: the one thing, the one thing, and, pe- and again, I want to put this out to the people that are listening to this. When I was going through college and I was doing performing arts, we had to do stand up. No way. The most difficult thing to do in the <laughs> world. I'm just saying it. I'm just putting it right out there right now. Like, I could not do what you do. That is uh, like, I don't know, man. It's like, it's another, well, it's another level. I couldn't, well, I certainly couldn't jump out of planes and I definitely couldn't uh, handle the snakes in Anaconda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, no, uh, well, yeah. I, I, I appreciate <laughs> what you do. I really do. <laughs> and, and tell me, before we go, what, what is yeah. next? What, like, you know, um, you've just made a movie. Yeah, so... Um, as a consequence of all those things that, that um, we were just talking about, um, a lot of the guys were saying to me, uh, just in passing, they were like, hey, you know, um, right now we're not being portrayed correctly or, you know, someone who has PTSD, is like, they're always portrayed as being these like crazies that are going to go off the, off the rails and it's not true. Uh, and a lot of people are misunderstanding the struggles that these guys go through. So what I did was uh, I thought, well, how can I give back, right? How can I give back, but also do something that I know and, and that I love doing? So I wrote a script and it was about a guy that comes back from Afghanistan and uh, which is, is kind of the way with, I think it was about pushing 80% of the special operations guys that the, the, the divorce rate is huge. It's just massive. Um, because, you know, the strain on the family, yeah, the strain yeah. on the dude, you know, when they come into that um, situation, like relationship, whether it's be, uh, you know, the husband's being deployed for the first time, or as we said, you know, you go through life and you're dealing with different struggles, you know, when you're seeing your, your husband's, like, friends dying over there, and you're like, is he, like, it's just a massive amount of strain. So I wrote a screenplay the basis of it was well, the core of it is the relate is that relationship. It's like what happens to the family when a guy is, is deployed, 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 deployed. So I wrote it and I sent it to a friend of mine uh, called Dan Ireland, who was a director. He directed Jolene, and he discovered he actually ran his own going a whole wide world. Um, and he was like, oh, you, he called me. He goes, I have to direct this. I have to direct it. And I'm like. I would love that. Like that—that that is a dream for me. I love you. He's, he's, a, he's a terrific guy, brilliant director, and so we were talking about doing that, and then he died. Oh God! And I'm like, oh, okay. 
And so I wanted to play the lead role because I didn't, you know, I've been thinking yeah. about it. I knew the character more than anyone else. And then I, I turn around to uh, my business partner. I'm like, uh, I think I want to direct this. And she goes, oh, thank goodness for that. Like, I've been waiting for you to say that forever. But, you know, again, I didn't want to be like, hey, I can direct. I can write. I can do this. I had one guy, his name's Gary O'Neill. And, and this guy is like one of them. I was introduced to him by a Medal of Honor recipient who said, you want to meet the most badass guy in this room? And he's a Medal of Honor recipient. He goes, Gary O'Neill. And Gary O'Neill was uh, is in the Ranger Hall of Fame. He he, he basically developed the SEER score, which is the 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 um, escape and evasion. Uh, he's a knife fighting expert. And he came out and he goes at the screen. He goes, that is the best depiction of a uh, what a war fighter goes through when he comes home that I've ever seen. Wow. And I'm That's like a compliment. Oh, so but but you know what, Giro? As, as we were saying before, is like I got to do that because I could control the narrative now. You know, I'm, it's not an opus, as in it's not like I'm not making Blade Runner. My focus was get the story across to the people that I want to reach. And I think that there's, um, you know, in an ideal world, what I'll have is, is, you know, the military, when they're coming to an impasse, like veterans, when they come to an impasse with their partners or their families or whatever, that they'll go, you know, I feel, I feel like this. And they'll give them the, the movie. Oh, wow. Or, you know what I mean? Or or if they're contemplating suicide, which is a really big thing, it's becoming a bigger thing over there as well, that they'll watch it and they'll go, hey, this hope, like, I, you know, people listen, they understand. So even though it's wrapped in this kind of kind of action uh, genre thing, uh, the military guys really get it. And um, and that was really important for me. So right now, as you know, because I've been I've been difficult to get hold of, I'm in the process of selling it. And, you know, it becomes a difficult thing when you don't have Chris Hemsworth in the lead of it. Or, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, and it's a story that um, a lot of people want to see. But right now, the things that really greenlight stuff is like the Avengers and superhero movies. And, and if you don't have that, like, who's the big star in it? And there's only a handful of people that can really greenlight films right now. So so we've been working on that and, and we're getting that out, which is awesome. And uh, I'm already talking about doing another one. But if I do another one, I'm certainly not going to um, do everything. I, I'm just going to either act in it or I'll direct it. But I won't do both. And, and even if I do direct it, direct a project, then um, I'd like to direct from someone else's script. Okay. Because, you know I mean? yeah. So do you and do you think can you see yourself now moving into that role? Like do you do you think do do you think it will be difficult for you to like go into a project and go, you know what, I'm not gonna play it. I'm just gonna I'm gonna be behind the scenes on this one. Do you know what? I'm kinda like I like it. I like that because one of the things that I found when I came to Hollywood is you know, people think that all actors like Aragon maniacs and and look, I mean, look. My thing is this: is uh, you know, as I grow up, grow older, I kind of look and I go, like, what drove me to be an actor? And I think that some people do want to act, but other people, it's like, to a degree, they're looking for some kind of acceptance or you know, some kind of way of expressing themselves that they haven't been able to do before. And for me, as I went through life, I kind of realized you can't. You can't rely on other people no. to tell it to, to validate you, right? I mean, you know this, right? You know, yeah. sometimes you look and you're like, you know, you guys have got a completely different. I mean, you know, like the not yeah. saying this is about you, but I mean, the best comedians, you know, if you look back in history, you know, they're there's a dark side. That's why oh, they're yeah. brilliant. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're brilliant actors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, and and I think that with a lot of creativity, there is a massive dark side. And even if that dark side is only instead of going to work, you're stuck in a spare room writing jokes. <laughs> yeah, and, and listen, it, it can it can be something. I mean, I know that, like, say, Robin Williams, who's someone who I I I mean, I'm so sad that I never got to work with him, but he was. His dad was an executive, right, at one of the big car manufacturers. So he was left alone a lot. And that doesn't yeah. mean that he, you know, he was he was like, you know, hugely depressed person. But you know, for him, that 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 impact on in him made him wanting to like entertain and be funny and be this and be that, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I think you know what I'm saying. It it doesn't mean that it's like you got this real like, you know. Think some people they do. Some yeah. people they do. You look back and they do. Same with actors, and and that's why they go off. And and there's a lot of you know drug abuse and alcoholism and all those kind of things. But but these are these are kind of like motivations for for moving forward in your life and and overcoming it. So you know what I'm saying. So and and I think yeah, that, I I think that I think that so much creativity uh, and particularly writing and performance it comes out of a a need. There's like a need, there's like something that just isn't there that's in everyone else that the performance yeah. actually fills. It's like it's the like like the creativity covers the cracks, I think. Well, um, well, you know what? You know what? I, I have to say absolutely 100 percent. But I, I think that the perception is other, it's in other people, but it's not. And so for me, like I've actually, I was never comfortable with being the guy that was on the on the uh, front of the newspapers or on the front of the magazines. I always hated it, you know. Uh, so being behind the camera is a real release for me. I, I prefer it. I'd rather walk down the street and people not know who I was. Uh, and you know, there there is an aspect that, like now in the UK, I've spent twenty years away, right? yeah. pretty much eighteen years away. And a lot of people don't know who I am. They don't know Chris's. I went to this thing last night. We, we did a rehearsal for something and we went out and we did karaoke, right? It was, it was unintentional. There were groups there. What were they singing now? Uh, like Sweet Home Alabama was one thing they sang. And then they sang another couple of songs. I'm like, they weren't alive. Oh, God. When these songs were out. Right? I, I mean, and then they weren't. They weren't alive when these songs were out. So I was, it was kind of like a weird thing for me to go... That's like a retro song for you. That's like I a know. singing. It's so weird. I, I had that recently where someone <laughs> came up after a show and was saying, oh, I really love your podcast. Um, and I can't remember which episode it was. I think it might have been the Bewitched one, maybe. And he was like, yeah, uh, my, my mom was really into them. And I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, no, I had that as well. I, I saw someone was like, oh, you know, yeah, uh, my mom really liked you. No. Okay. Yeah. But the, I mean, I mean, it's. Uh, I'm glad that it was more like my mom liked you, and rather than my mom couldn't stand you. So yeah, a win yeah, there. yeah. Well, it's been absolutely amazing to talk to you. Uh, thanks so much for your time, and um, and also thanks for the advice. <laughs> I will be getting back onto you about that. Yeah. Well, listen. Thank you so much, and and uh, you know, I'm flattered that you remember who I am, and and you wanted to talk to me, and. Um, and it's it's really great. Like you're gonna go out there and you're gonna win, man. Like I can't wait for you to win. Oh, right. listen, thank you so much. It's been fantastic to talk to you.
That was Matthew Marsden. The trailer for his movie I Am That Man is online now, so I have posted a link to it in the information for this podcast, and you'll also find links to follow Matt on social media. I'm at Garode Farrelly everywhere. If you follow me on Instagram, you will see photographs of my cat, and I'm not going to lie to you. She is really worth the follow. There'll be a new episode soon. Thanks for listening. You spend the first hour of your vacation at the luggage carousel thinking there's nowhere to go but up. But there is a place to go but up. Because when you open your suitcase, you find it filled with dolls. Dolls like the ones in that movie that scared you so much you wet your girlfriend's bed. Ah, Marissa, the one that got away. You return the bag to the airport with relief. It lasts until you get back to your room, where a fallen doll waits to greet you. Don't let a suitcase full of dolls ruin your vacation. Go on a real vacation. GoRVing.com.